friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Well, welcome. Uh, we have an exciting story today. It's it's actually a riveting story um, to freedom with Jamie Gratzel. And she's a wife, a mom, a creative arts director at Cornerstone Church. She's also an aspiring psychologist. But the really cool thing about Jamie is she loves Jesus. And she is truly um, just trying to come to grips with her own story. And I think we can all relate to that. There's so many things happening in our world right now, and it it's creating, um, I don't know, this, this feeling of anxiety and uh, feeling like you're inadequate. And I think when there's chaos taking place, it's, it's hard to move forward. It's almost like we can't move forward until our world moves forward mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of really realizing, no, I, I have an anchor. I have my, my foundation in the Lord and I, I can move forward. So with that said, uh, I want to hear Jamie's story. And what's interesting is that I met Jamie probably a decade ago, ago at um, a youth camp. I think our kids were both like in fourth grade and I see Jamie um, on stage. She's a speaker. She's um, a worship leader and just has, like I said, an amazing heart for the Lord. And then I went on to not only see her worship uh, every, every Sunday, but then going into youth camp with the students. And then she went all out like rock star crazy (laughs) that I see her on the stage and go, Oh, wow. Like this, she truly is a rock star. She went from, you know, speaking at the women's events and kind of, you know, worshiping to um, going all out, tatted up like rock free on stage, which I loved. And um, with that, I just, I, I've always seen you, Jamie, but I've never really heard your story. And then, um, you know, we, we kind of are in passing with blips of five second conversations. And uh, I saw that you, you had a story and you made a comment about, it was a story of shame. And so then we wanted to go out to lunch. And so now, now this is it. This, This is our lunch event. So um, not to just dive right in, uh, tell us something about, I know you love tattoos and coffee, I do. so I do. What, what's your tattoo, Jamie? Oh my gosh, I have too many of them. Um, I've <laughs> loved them my whole life, but kind of it's part of that whole like shame thing. It's like, you didn't do that because that the devil would make you do that. So um, I'm kind of coming away from that, believing that God and Jesus still can love me, um, even if I love tattoos. The things I, I have tattooed on me mean a lot to me personally, uh, with scriptures that remind me of good truth, and then sunflowers, um, because as a kid who was going through a lot of abuse, sunflowers became a beautiful, safe place for me. Mm. So they are um, in several places on my body uh, to remind me that I'm safe. Um, as a constant reminder. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, you, you know, just even looking at you, you're already tearing up just by saying, yeah, our <laughs> so, true. so I, I do want to go there. Um, shame 
uh, centers on your very identity as a person and it, it can become yes. toxic. So I'm, I'm hoping that your story, when it's shared that it can, um, really have an impact on others of how you were able, and you're still in the healing process. That's I'm still in it. Crazy is we yes. think, Oh, look at Jamie. Like now she's okay. And you're free, exactly. of but it really nope. has a grip, um, on us and, we have to find like how we can unpack some of that. So will you share like when this shame, like what, what started all of this? Yeah. Um, I think as I, I look back, I can, of course now kind of easier kind of figure out when it all started, but when I was young, where I felt like it started, uh, was when I was sexually abused. But I think what's important to know is I was physically abused by my father and he was a pastor my whole life growing up. But for me, um, I didn't associate that as anything wrong. I was used to it. Um, and he was very abusive behind the scenes and verbally as well as physically. And then we were always threatened, like not to tell anybody. So it was kind of keep all the secret, you know, what happens in our house stays in our house. Like in our business is nobody else's business. And I didn't link any of those things to shame at the time. Like this idea of, well, I deserved this. Um, my dad would beat us and then he would cry afterwards about why we made him do that to us. So to me, that was so normal. It was just part of yeah. life that I didn't associate it um, to anything. I, I do now. I feel like that's where it all started, this inherent belief that I am bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would try so good and I was so well behaved. I'm the firstborn. I'm like, I am here to help. I am here for order. Like I just, I, I, I'm a rule follower by nature. So it was confusing. But as a kid where I started to feel steeped in, I am dirty and gross, like at, at the core of who I am. And this is why this happens to me. Um, I was eight years old. I was laying in bed. My parents were in ministry. So they constantly had things at the church to do. And we constantly had people over, um, but they were away at the church and they had a, a gal that was babysitting us. And I was already tucked away in bed. Um, and I see my door open, which I just thought was kind of weird. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lights off. I'm it's nighttime here. Um, and she came in saying that she wanted to play some games with me. Um, those games ended up being, of course, sexual in nature. Um, it was very confusing. I was very scared. I didn't understand. And I engaged in the games. And then you feel like you're a part of something. Um, and it was things that I had heard such bad things about. Like I, I grew up in, in the church. So I'm like hearing about homosexuality or kind of knowing the sentiment around that in my own family made me feel like, well, now I've been a part of this. And yeah. now, <laughs> like, why, why me? And like, why was this happening to me? So it was all very confusing, very scary. Um, and that went on for several years until we moved away from that church. And my mom would tell me she was coming over to babysit and I would scream no, but I didn't feel like I could tell anybody because I was raised in the, we keep secrets here. Yeah. Um, we don't tell people our business. And I also grew up in a very judgmental culture. So I was so afraid to speak up in general and I just kept kind of landing on the idea of, well, Jamie, you deserve this. Like, this is what me being bad deserves. Yeah. It's not people doing bad things. It's what I deserve. Like, what was it about me, God, that was so gross that like, this is what, 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 what about me was so bad 
that this is what had to happen to me to like get me into shape, you know, to teach me um, or to just abuse me because that's what I what I deserved. And I grew up in, you know, a high faith culture where it's like everything happening is dependent on your own faith. So it's like, okay, man, like I need to pray more. I mean, I'm, you're talking, I'm eight years old going like, how can I pray more? And so I would sit in the balcony of the church by myself crying. Asking God, like, what was it? What did I need to do to finally make this stop? Like make my dad stop hitting me, make this woman stop abusing me. Like what, what was the secret sauce? How much more can I read my Bible? How many more stories can I learn? I mean, I have memorized the Bible at this point in a desperate attempt to find freedom, like in a desperate attempt to find this magic thing that makes God make things stop. He's all powerful. He's all knowing, but where is he? And if he's not here for me, it's because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve help. I don't deserve anything good. That for me has been the message of shame that yeah. has sat with me since that moment. Yeah. Since that so you're feeling, uh, I can't, first of all, I just thought you're, you're, you're feeling small. You're feeling yucky. You're feeling unworthy. Uh, crazy loop of inner dialogue, which is poison and it's contaminated you. And so you're now just trying to reach out and grab that sunflower, like reach out to God and go, okay. Like, so did you ever feel that God had deserted you that, you know, it says he will never leave you and forsake you. Are you going, okay, where are you in this moment? You know, what's crazy is I always felt like God was with me in those moments of sitting and crying. I felt his presence. Like I knew he was there. I just couldn't figure out why this was happening then. But for me, it constantly was just the hustle to be better, to do better, to become this wretched perfectionist, to try and control everything. Um, Yeah, with horrible inner dialogue along the way. Um, I became like my greatest enemy. So, yeah. And, and that's such a, a huge place. What you just said, you became your greatest enemy. I um, became my abuser, like for me in the end. Yeah. And I, I, I know, I know words are trite, but I just, my heart right now, I mean, I'm able to see these, you know, the expressions and your emotions that are coming out and, I, I want to hug you and just say, I am, I am so sorry, Jamie. I, I can't imagine so that. Much. That hurts my heart in such a way when I, when younger, I mean, when anyone's abused, it's horrible. But when a child who, who's trying to figure out the world, and this is the kind yes. of feedback that you're experiencing, and it's such a painful, um, you know, you're vulnerable, you're feeling inadequate now. And What's crazy about from just so many, you know, people that I've coached and and have heard their stories is that when it gets into a a physical or sexual abuse, they don't understand because it feels good. So this is like this. We're all curious and we're exploring. And now you have someone that's older that's abusing you and and opening opening up this, you know, Pandora box. Yes. That you're over here with shame because of the way that we're, you know, being raised and this is wrong. And like you said, same sex is not the route it's supposed to go. 
And you're a child going, well, that kind of felt good. Exactly. It's so confusing. It feels torturesome of like, but there's pleasure in this and feelings I had never had before. So now I felt like a a willing participant, even though I wasn't. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did this affect your friendships and intimacy, uh, you know, you're feeling anxious about revealing your real self to people. Uh, did you notice that like people who cared about you, did you, were you open to them? Or I, I know sometimes when it's that kind of shame, when it's a toxic shame, then you're going to be guarded. And you made the comment, you yeah. become a perfectionist. Like we yeah. either try to numb the pain and we yes. go completely the other way where I'm going to be this rebel or we become the perfectionist where it's like I will prove to everybody how amazing I can be and I'll hide yes. all of other stuff that that is what I did I I can't say that I like knew how to connect or open up I was very guarded as an adult um people have kind of teased me because I'm I'm not sentimental I'm not affectionate um and I've I've kind of grieved because I don't know if that's who I really am. Yeah. That's who I became. Yeah. For sure. So I'm like, oh man, like I don't know. I'm I'm I might actually be affectionate. I might actually um really care and like be sentimental. I just I haven't learned to be that way. I've learned to protect myself. Because yeah. if you don't care about needing affection or connection, then you're not as hurt when you do not get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I did not get it. I did not grow up in that type of home. There wasn't, there wasn't affection. Yeah. Like there, there wasn't those kind words unless I was doing something. Well, I've been a performer, you know, essentially my whole life on the stage since I was four. So unless, unless I was performing just right with all the critique of like how I should be doing it, then a compliment, you know, kind of came. Yeah. But it wasn't this inherent knowing of love. And I, I don't even, I haven't learned what that is until now I'm remarried. I was married for 19 years. The first time I went, I went and out of my dad's house so bad that I went into the wrong relationship, um, to someone who also did not know or care to love me well, Mm -hmm. um, and stayed there until, um, I don't know. I figured out I could have boundaries and I wanted health so bad for my own well being, And I was suicidal every day. Um, and so ended up leaving. I'm remarried now and like learning for the first time. <laughs> I think what God's love actually looks like and what real love on earth looks like. But it's hard to accept all the time. Yeah. Well, there's this cognitive dissonance, right? That our brain um we see things a certain way, but we can't acknowledge it because we need to, our brain has to figure out another way to accept the world and what's going. So we, you know, find yeah. three different ways of trying to get around that and being aware of that. There's a couple of things. I want to know how this affected you because you, you've never left the church. You've like, no. you said, you're on. I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, um, you mentioned you were suicidal every day. Like what, what does that look like? And the reason why I'm asking such a personal question is because I see it in our youth. I see it in a lot of the girls that I work with, this like severe depression and the severe feeling of, I can't get out of the mud. So how did you get yourself through the day? And then 
the question about you, you've stayed in the church, which I truly thank God for that because you are amazing and you are having <laughs> a huge impact on those around you. Yeah. Um, but at the point where I was suicidal, I, I had two kids at the time. So for me, that was the only, they were the only thing that kept me, I kept them in the forefront of my mind because there was nothing else. But and I, I think we need to look at suicidal ideations in a, in a greater degree because it's like I wasn't looking at a knife thinking, how could I do this today? But I was daydreaming about dying every day. Mm -hmm. I was hoping and when I would get in the car, I would pray to God every day that someone else would just do it for me. Like I'm going to run a red light and this will be it. Like someone else will do it to me because I couldn't bear with the thought that I would do that to my kids, like that I would leave them. Um, but I, but I needed, needed to go so bad. And my brother died um, almost 19 years ago of a brain tumor. And I kind of have this uh, suicidal ideation that I do when I call it like I crave the grave. Like I long to be bones rotting in the ground. Like I long to be my brother, like he's lucky, like he got out. So when I find myself in those like dark moments, um, cause for me, that's very dark. I I'd imagine like maggots, you know, going through my bones, like that feels so satisfying, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I still find myself in those days. So I'm not saying those days are gone. Yeah. I'm saying I have more tools now. The the only tool I leaned on really at the time uh, was picturing my children um, to kind of help bring me to keep going, keep doing this um, until I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like I got scared that I might actually do it. Mm -hmm. And then was like, I have to leave. I, I have to leave the unhealth. Mm -hmm. And if God hates me because I choose divorce, because that's what I chose. Um, if he hates me and if God's going to go ahead and leave me and abandon me, then I think at this point I have to take that risk. Like I was, I was willing to take that risk. I'm such a rule follower that I'm like, I'm going to break the rule and I'm going to see if God will still be with me. If I still feel his presence, if I still feel like he'll use me. And if not, I, I, I tried. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where it rested. And when I left, I went looking, told my husband I was leaving, I'm getting a divorce, I'm filing paperwork, like for my own well-being, um, to be a better, my own, <laughs> like, well-being yeah. as a person and as a mother, because um, I had lost all sense of who I was. Yeah. And I went, I went to go look for an apartment. And I felt peace come over me as I walked into an apartment building. And it was the same feeling I remember as a kid of like in the darkest moments and the hardest moments, but like suddenly I felt like comfort and I felt comfort going into this apartment and I applied for an apartment for the first time on my own. I went from my dad's house to my husband's house, like, you know, 18 to 19 years old. And I applied for an apartment and I got it on my own income. I got approved in that moment. I was like, this is crazy. And I looked down at my feet and I thought like, oh, I'm doing it. Like, one foot in front of the other, like every day. And I would just look down, but I'm like, I never felt alone. I felt like God was pushing like every step of like, I'm here with you. Like, you're not alone. It's okay. Like you broke a rule, but it's not a rule for the sake of a rule. It's a, it's a, hey, divorce causes brokenness, but, but yeah. you're broken now. Like I'm going to meet you, whatever the brokenness is. I felt so assured of it that I felt like I could keep going. Yeah. And I, already employed I've been employed in the church you know this whole time 
And some people in the church were amazing and supportive and some were the worst and they made, they, they heaped shame on me and I had to keep centered on God and him and what I believe he spoke to me and that he was with me in order to stay in it. Um, but as years kind of went by and I came forward with more and more of my story and my struggle with some abuse in the church. I had been sexually harassed by a leader in the church. I have experienced toxicity in the church. And to give voice to that and go like, okay, I, I need to get away from all unhealth, like literally all of it for my own well-being. I got away from, you know, an un, you know, a toxic home when I was a kid. My dad, like, I'm away from that. I'm away from that childhood abuser. I'm away from a really toxic marriage. But now the church for me was my last piece of unhealth of this is not healthy for me. This makes me feel awful. This heaps shame on me. The church uses shame as a motivator, like to tell me I need a Jesus. And I'm saying, I can't do that anymore. Shame doesn't compel me to love. Love compels me to love. Yeah. Like the actual stuff we talk about, grace, mercy, like, is it real or is it not? Like, is love actually unconditional or not? And I came to a breaking point just less than two years ago of like, I got to get out of the church. I cannot do this. Like I can't find well-being here. I can't really meet Jesus here with how all of this gets like just, you know, enmeshed together um, with some of the unhealth of people. Um, and I can't do it. And so I'm like, I'm out. I resigned from the church I was at. I had no job. I was like, didn't care. Can't do it. Like need to make just a hard call for my own life and started applying anywhere anywhere else it would take me. Um, and there was nothing. The only other door was a church. And I'm like, Ugh. like, but I feel like it was God of like, but I'm begging him, let me go. Just let me go. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I need to find you for real. This is all too hard. It's too confusing. Like, isn't my faith is, it, you know, what is it? And I just wanted out. And I went to this church, they interviewed me and I'm like, guys, here's where I'm at. Like, I'm not okay. The church has hurt me. Like the church hurts people. I don't think I can heal here, but yeah. I need a salary and <laughs> you guys seem to be okay with hiring me. I don't know. Um, I was very transparent because that's what I need. I can't keep secrets anymore. I'm so sick of the secrets. I'm so sick of the behind the scenes. We all know what's really going on, but no one says it. Like I can't do that anymore for my own well-being. So I went to a church and said, I can't do that. If I have something that doesn't feel okay, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to call out like the church using shame as a motivator when I see it. I'm going to tell you because most people I feel like stand up on stages have never been through anything real. You've never been through any real trauma and you don't know what it's like when someone just stands up there and tries to tell you how you should live your life differently when you haven't been through it. So I'm like, I'm going to give that voice here. If you guys are cool with that, then I'm here for it. They've been amazing in allowing that voice, making space for that conversation, it's the only thing that has allowed me to stay in the church. Because if I feel stuck or silent, I'm out. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Jamie, and this is why I, I absolutely adore you and love you so much, is that you're such a good communicator. And this is what you do on stage. And you're you're so transparent. And I'm not just saying these words. Like, I mean, our listeners can hear your transparency. <laughs> it's like you're not like that. Okay, everybody knows about me now. I'm like, I love that. I, I immediately, of course, I think of Philippians 4, you know, 8 through 9 of, you know, what what is captivating your thoughts? And like you said, you know, not 
not packing that away and not hiding it. And you're, you're tired of the secrets. And, and I do feel like, I mean, both of us have been doing ministry for years and it's really easy to get caught up in what is gossip and what is really unpacking the truth and like yeah. exposing the lies, exposing the darkness so we can heal and we can get better. Exactly. And, um, I know in the, in the psychology world, it's name it, claim it, tame it and reframe it so yeah. it's calling it out you know yes. claim it and then how do we tame it in such a way that we're exposing it so we can reframe it so we can get healthy so we can look at it from a different exactly yeah and uh it just acknowledging okay we share it and once again trying to share it in a non-gossipy way but in a way of i like to say being relentlessly positive and solution focused that somebody sometimes you say something I know I have shared different perspectives and it's like well that's one way of seeing things like that's their yeah. story it's like yeah. okay but if someone keeps sharing that same story over and over again we have to name it we have to go but this is what's happening exactly and I just I mean I'm not I love the church I do believe the church yeah. is the hope of the world I know you love the church and so now it's Exposing what's going on. I know you and I just shared that we um, both listened to uh, the rise and fall of yes, Mars Hill. Yeah, a great podcast of yes, it is. saying exactly that. And I I know we just have a couple of minutes here. So what would you say? So I feel like we just unpacked so much. So for people who are listening, you you have hit the core of their soul, and now we're like, all right, well, thanks for listening. Have to a good day. <laughs> girlfriend it and go on with your day so we have two minutes and I, I can't thank you enough it's an honor to hear your story it's an honor Thanks just to uh, like I said I just want to embrace you and go thank you Jamie for for being obedient to what God has asked you to do and for showing up and exposing what has happened in your life so it can help other people so I, I can't yeah, I really yeah I, say, I really don't want to be doing this <laughs> but I feel like yeah. I have to like just for me to even find my own freedom. And I just told the Lord this year, like, I'm going to say yes to all the things. Um, and it's so hard. And I'm so scared before even doing this. But for me, I'm like, this is just one more thing to find freedom. Um, but then also maybe for others to feel seen and heard for the first mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Well, what would be a huge, just like, I, I like just being able to end on where's the hope and where's the tips. I mean, we know, obviously, Christ is the answer, but yeah, how beyond, um, if there's ever a beyond Christ, there's not, but you know what I mean? Just those simple tips in one minute, what would you say to help people that are, that yeah, for me, affirmation. Yeah. For me, affirmations are everything. And I think we miss out on all the beautiful affirmations that really are embedded in the word of God. I think they get lost in the mix of all the rules and all the things that we're supposed to be doing. I think we miss out on God's real voice. So I spend time every day affirming myself personally and with the word of God. So that would be my encouragement. Yeah. Which once again, that thread of Philippians for, um, eight. exactly. So confronting shame might feel impossible, but you don't have to do it alone and, and yeah. contact us. Uh, you can go to pottylynnwyatt.com, but thank you for sharing your time with us today. And thank you, Jamie. You bet.
listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.